We met the highlight, so now it's downhill from there. So. Yep. Well, it is great to be with you today. This is a great day. Um, I, this is what Pastor Debbie said at the conclusion of our service. We'll have a church meeting invite both uh, members and non-members to vote. I'll get more details about that later. Um, but um, I don't think it's a coincidence that today our sermon and text is all about being thankful um, and, and how Thanksgiving can lead in our lives. I've noticed often, of course, not about you, but those other Christians, that we're very faithful to ask God for lots of things. And, that, and God wants us to. By the way, the scriptures are clear. The Bible says, uh, what do you want? Ask God for it. And so many of us are very good at asking. But I've reflected along the way, how good are we at then being thankful when the answer comes? I've noticed we are often thankful temporarily, only when we get what we want. But we're not thankful when the answer doesn't come how we want, and our thankfulness has conditions to it, doesn't it? And the other thing I thought about, too, one of the dangers I think we have, uh, I'll say in America, and all the blessings around us, is this great danger of entitlement. There's a danger that we assume that what we have, we've earned or deserved. Now, I'm sure you all are hard workers. Congratulations. But in the midst of that, what does it mean that for all of us, who gives us the ability to see and to walk and to talk and to move our joints? And as I get older, it's harder and harder every day, right? Some of you want to testify, amen? Amen. Come on now. As my grandmother told me long ago, getting old is not for wimps. Come on now. I have an altar call right now. Call good. Um, but think about this, as we think about our prayer requests, and I know there are needs in your life and in the world, but think about all the things we don't have to pray for today. Think about those of you who have a great relationship in your home, whether it's a spouse or a child. Um, I know those don't, aren't always perfect, but think about the things we're not praying for today, the things we don't need help with. All those things are going well. And the problem is I I tell my students, and I hate to be a harbinger of bad news, but I tell them, don't worry, death is coming. (laughs) But the key is this. Uh, As Christians, we are not afraid of death, but all the people in your life, how can you today be thankful for them? We never live in fear. Who's going to die next? But every day, be thankful and tell the people in your life and tell God how thankful you are. I thought about that this week. All the things in my life I'm not praying for because things are going mostly well. Um, and this is a lesson this week about the gift of being um, thankful. And one of the things I think it will lead into our lesson today, in some regard, in many of the things where we find healing, part of that full circle is being thankful. Um, there was an old song in the 80s, not all of you were alive then, some of you were, um, an old chorus, in the good times, praise his name. In the bad times, do the same. In everything, give the king of kings all the thanks. Right? Good chorus. Now he doesn't know us. She's too young. Um, It was a great song from the 80s. Um, But thinking about that, what does it mean to give God thanks in the good and when it's not good? Um, And I think that's the invitation for the lesson today. The other question I've thought about often is, what do we pray for? Um, Oh, God. 
I'm not feeling well, help heal my cold. That's, that's a fine prayer. But what about praying, oh God, I'm jealous of my coworker. You see, we often pray for the things that are like circumstantial, but something God says, well, that's a fine prayer for your cold. But what about the real things in your life we need to be talking about? Um, God, I need help being less bitter or less prideful or what, I mean, whatever, right? You see how we pray for certain things, but God says, well, that's a nice prayer, but there are other things at work in your life. And God says, do you want me to tap into those things as well? Um, and it's curious that sometimes there are some prayers God always wants to answer. God, help me be more loving and giving and gracious. Now, it can take a long time. But God will answer those things. Ironically, God doesn't always pray for like some of the diseases of our life. Right? Some of us have had uh, family members who we had had cancer or whatever. We prayed for them and they got answered by having them pass away. And the reality is this is the hard thing. Prayer is messy. Um, and I think, uh, I think sometimes our boldness for praying is limited because prayer, well, we don't always get what we want. Talked about this before a couple months ago, right? Two folks in our congregation have cancer. We pray for both. One lives, one dies. How does that work? We don't know. We also don't think that dying is a bad answer. It's not the answer we'd want. But again, we know that prayers are messy, especially for healing. Um, but part of that, I wonder, is where is the space, the ground of thanksgiving to all that we're doing? Um Today, our passage is going to have us lean into this notion of what does it mean to truly be thankful for what God gives us. Early in this chapter, and this summer, we've been talking about the fact that God is a God who will not give up on any of us. Remember that awkward story when God's going to lead the 99 sheep to find the one? I like that lost coin. Um, we learned last week the issue of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a matter of quantity, but a depth of this. That as you've been forgiven much, can we find the space to forgive others in time? Let that forgiveness take hold in our life and to be thankful. Part of our passage today, and I'll try to highlight it in my uh, throughout the sermon, is the importance of seeing. Um, all throughout the text, uh, Luke included, especially Mark, um, one thing we notice is that there's a blindness of those who see. If you recall last week, right, we did, um, or a couple weeks ago, last week, we did Lazarus and the Rich Man, no, two years weeks ago, two weeks ago. We did Lazarus, when you get old, the time does get fuzzy. Um, the Rich Man and Lazarus, right? Uh, Lazarus was at the front gate of the Rich Man, um, and the, he was not seen. He kind of walked by, they were having a big party every day, and yet he was hungry, the Rich Man never saw him. Until, of course, they ended up in the place of torment. And all of a sudden, hey, Lazarus is there. Have him come serve me. Part of our text today is, do we have the ability to see God and to see others? It's a very interesting text today. I'm excited to get into it. Um, one of the things I'll tell you is we begin this story, we give a location um, by Samaria. Now, for those of you who might remember, Samaritans were kind of the half-breeds of the Jews. Jews looked down upon them in condescending ways. Uh, they were not worthy of, of being fully Jewish. And so when Jesus associates with them, you have to realize that causes most of the Jews and the religious leaders some angst because they're those people. 
This now question will be rhetorical. Do you have any of those people in your life? We would never say it out loud. Of course. Um, not even Niner fans. We don't talk about them, by the way, right? No, I'm sorry. Um, and I mean, for, for some people, and I'll do a global thing, it, it'd be like us thinking about, for some, um, how some view Muslims, or someone from North Korea, or an I mean, when we kind of other those people, the Jews had this kind of condescending attitude. And by the way, if we in our quiet, thoughtful moments have persons whom that is like, we've got to find ways to confess that sin. Um, we have a long conversation on the issue of racial injustice and socioeconomic injustice. So for all of us, we need to look within the ways in which we, perhaps never verbally, but really have some people whom we think we're just better than. Okay, so with that blessing, let's, uh, oh, I invite you to stand as you're able. We're reading from Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 11. Um, and again, think about the issue of seeing or being seen. As we go forward, again, Luke 17, 11. I'm reading the Common English Bible. If yours is different, then that's why. Here we go. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he had been healed, returned and praised God with a loud voice. A verse after my own heart. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus replied, weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner. Then Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Your faith has healed you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Or you can stand if you want to. I don't care. <laughs> do whatever you want to do. I'm fine. I don't care. Whatever. It's all to me. It's fine. Trust me. It will not. I have the ability to. I've, I've been. I know. It is hard. Come on now. I will say this is now. I do have adult ADHD, I think. My son's car is a little Honda Civic, a great car, but it is so low to the ground. I'm virtually, my rear ends on the, on the, the, the ground, getting in and out of it, it's like climbing, like, like my hip, oh my word. Old age is rough. I did buy it for him, for him. that's right, I know, it's fine. It gets better gas mileage in my Tahoe, so I don't have to, you know, get a cane and get, anyway, it's fine. We start out, I don't know what that does do with anything, we start out in this border area. There's no real border between Samaria and Galilee, um, it's a place of probably no man's land, as often is the case where there are kind of uh, areas where there's not agreement. There's a lot of arid places. This summer, on my 6,000-mile driving quest of torturing my children and I having great fun, uh, we drove from uh, San Diego to Phoenix. I had made that drive many times um, as a junior hire, because most junior hires are relevant to reality. I had no clue how long you were next to right on the border. Now, I don't want to get too political. I know the border has lots of comments about walls or bridges or whatever. But I, I thought about, my son and I talked, my son's a senior and very thoughtful about things. We, we talked a lot about what it would be like to find folks who were trying to cross the border. Uh, these places where there was nothing. Uh, there was some places of wall, some place nothing. 
And in some regard, it's a place where there's, there's not much there for resource. It's not a fun place to be. And so I think it's weird the text kind of draws this kind of, it is no man's land, and it's not surprising who we come across as lepers. Um, and in fact, it's not surprising that, that lepers live near the no man's land. If you recall from Numbers chapter 5, they have instructions what lepers can be like. When you are a leper, you have to remove yourself from the community. Literally, one of the words, you are excommunicated. By the way, that word excommunicated, you hear the word communion in there? Literally, you are brought out. So not only are you not well, because you were then kind of a threat to others' health, right? And ironically, though, you would be brought outside, and then when you come in trying to make a survival, you'd have to yell out with a loud voice, which I appreciate, unclean, unclean. Imagine that being your existence. Um, but here's the interesting fact. Or I, yeah, I thought of this this week too. But guess who you hang out with most of the time? Others who often also find themselves scattered and unclean. It's curious that for some people, the only community they have are those whom also have been marginalized by others. And here's what we have to see about Jesus. Hopefully you're seeing it. Jesus keeps going to those for whom have been cast out on the margins. And guess what? That's where the church needs to be going as well. There are many stories. Um, I don't know if I this story this week of um, leper colonies. And often one of the ways Christianity spread is Christians would go into those leper colonies and minister and love them. A kind of a weird story. Um, Samuel Mudd, um, the notion of your name is Mud. that saying comes back to Abraham Lincoln. He was accused of helping, um, oh, the guy who killed Lincoln had a broken leg, he helped him, so he threw him in jail. It's a crazy story about Samuel Mudd's life. He ends up going as a doctor to this leper colony. Um, and Christians were often known for going to places where others weren't. We think of Mother Teresa, 20th century, going to the place of India. And I would just say to us, the invitation... And what Mother Teresa would say is that as I looked into the face of those lepers, I saw the face of Jesus. Jesus is with, and especially with those who are the marginalized and exploited. But these 10 come in, and with one voice, they were shouting for mercy, for help, trying, you know, they had to tell you they were coming. They could drop out, drop it off. They'd come and get it. Couldn't get too close for fear that you'd catch their disease. And so Jesus looks at them and sees them. That's an important idea. He sees them, looks at them. I mentioned this idea about a month ago. Um, for those of you who've seen the movie Avatar, now it's been old, about a while ago. One of the things about that movie, which is very interesting, um, is when they would look at it, they would say, I see you, is their greeting. I've always thought about that. What does it mean, not, I see you? I wonder if sometimes our interactions with others, oh, hi, how are you? I'm fine, I'm good. We're going by. And we don't have the time and space to see people. Uh, I have a wonderful office at NNU. I have a great view, but I also have a lot to get done. I, I, I'm busy, right? And occasionally students wander in my office. They've got an issue. <laughs> Valerie, what do you need this time? <laughs> One of the things the Lord has encouraged me is... Oftentimes, kids do have, or faculty or anybody has needs, um, 
often they do have a, a, a pressing need, but often there are often needs underneath. And what the Lord has challenged me to do is to say, Brent, take the time to see people, to see them, not just solve their problem. Oftentimes they have some problems up here, but some really hurts down here. And if you give them the space to see them, you can then actually be seen and see them. Often, I know we're busy, important things. What does it mean to see others? And I would say, especially see those who are often overlooked. Here's the awkward part of this story. Jesus says, then go and tell the priests after a certain time that you are cleansed. That was Levitical law. Why does Jesus tell them to go to the priests? Number one, the priests would then verify, oh, how'd this happen? Oh, Jesus has healed us. So the priests, religious leaders, have to verify Jesus' ministry, but also the priests would verify, and once the leprosy was gone, we hit numbers, the priests would then welcome you back into the community. You're now safe to be among the population. It was the means by which they were brought back into society. Well, the text kind of is weird. It says, um, this one man saw he was cleansed. And so he returns and goes back to glorify God. Now, what we don't know is how long it's been. If it was immediately, if it was after he saw the priest, we don't know. But the text also says, by the way, he was a Samaritan, the non-Jew. And Jesus says, didn't I cleanse ten? Where are the other nine? And by the language of the text, it says, why is it only the foreigner has returned? Which seems to indicate the other nine were likely Jews. And so it's only the foreigner, the Samaritan. I mean, again, you got to realize, I know it's hard for us to say this, who the hero of the story is, but for them, uh, it's the Muslim jihadist who's the winner of the story. The good Samaritan, that's again, I mean, Jesus is saying to us, the, the barriers you put up in front of people, often the ones who are living the more Christian life than you are, Christians, right? So the invitation is don't judge others by whatever, how much they have, color of their skin, where they live. God is at work in their life. And often they're being more holy than you are being, right? So the Good Samaritan parable, this story is also Jesus saying, the foreigner, the non-believer, that half-Jew has returned in Thanksgiving. Where were the others? See, here's what we also are kind of concluding by this text. Those other nine had failed to see Jesus. They just saw someone who could perhaps help them out. But here's what we see in this story. To experience the depths of God's healing was not simply about the leprosy going away. You see, true life and vitality is to see one's life in the presence of God as one of thankfulness. You see, the full circle of healing, it could be their disease went away, but they missed out on giving thanks to God. And therefore, one says there was a kind of sickness that remained. Because the true healing God wants to work in our life is to have a life of thanksgiving, that all that we have is God's. And we're thankful, God, thankful that I can walk today. I mean, 
that, that God, you have blessed as opposed to man, I get so I can do good work and get things done and feel Brent, you are awesome. Right? And that's not always terrible, it's mostly terrible. Right? The key is God wants to say, Great, you're being a good steward, but don't forget to give all thanks and praise to God. For true life is not simply being relieved from leprosy. It's being in communion and praise and worship to God. Those of you recall last week um, when I kind of scooted the plane and I made it, it was great. I went to uh, Nashville, a bunch of uh, 80 pastors from the, the Tennessee district in, in Mississippi. Um, by the way, they'd have like uh, 95 degrees for like six weeks and no rain. I show up and they'd bring, had rain. I said, it's the blessing of my Seattle like life. Your congratulations. They were, it was like 65 degrees rain. They were like, they were out there. It was fabulous. Um, one of the things that I talked to them about, which I think is true, I'd say to you, I think one of the primary things humans were created to do is what we are doing right now. The gathering around the people in communal worship to remind ourselves life is not about Brent and Brent's kingdom or fill in your name. It is about God's kingdom and how I live in thankfulness for every day that I have and God's going to gather us here we hear our praises, we hear our requests, we hear our laments. God transforms and then God blows us out into the world to find others who inwardly are broken on the outskirts, either geographically or internally, who are who are, their only identity is I am unclean, I am unclean, and you are invited to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to love them, to see them, and that is what Christian salvation is all about. It's not simply saving your soul to get to that hedonistic utopia we call heaven, mentioned last week. It is about our, how is God using you? And by the way, probably one of the hardest places where God can use you is actually maybe in your house with the folks that don't go anywhere, right? And they know you real well, right? How does God invite us even to love those people and then our neighbors, um, maybe the neighbor that no one talks to. Um, you remember that kid when you were, in, you remember you were in elementary school, that kid at the lunch table by himself or herself? Um, our lunch tables look differently now, but some folks are still all alone at their lunch table. And the invitation today is this. We don't go out as if we're like trying to earn anything. But here's what I know. Um, like that, that parable we mentioned last week, unmerciful servant. When you recognize all that God has done to forgive you, to save you, and redeem you, how can we then not go out and share with others what God has done in our life? You see, the invitation, Jesus is like, where are the other nine? Now, you notice his command was only to go to the priest. And then he did that. But somehow this outsider, this Samaritan, saw the healing and recognized, I must go to glorify God what God has to give thanks to God. See how easy it would have been for the other nine to go back, oh, my leprosy is cured. Go on with my life. Find those who owe me money and throw them in jail. See what I'm saying? Like that, that that's the unmerciful servant. You see, sometimes, um, and this is the, ah, the theologian, it's all good to say. Sometimes when our when our circumstances get easier, we stop relying upon God. Now, I'm not saying God wants you to go through hard things. The New Testament is kind of clear. It's hard to grow 
when your life is easy and comfortable and convenient. You still can, but it's a discipline. I've noticed, being an old guy now mostly, that when life circumstances get hard, folks recognize the real desperate need for Jesus. So my prayer for all of you, wherever you are on that spectrum, is that we keep that desperate need for Jesus, not based on your circumstances being bad or good, but all the time. And then when your life is circumstantially easier, you can have the space to see those in your life for whom need some help. Because sometimes you'll be the one needing the help. Sometimes you can help the other. That's the rhythm that God gives us in community, right? This awkward group that God gathers us together. Say, how can we love each other? And then how can we go out on the outskirts of Mountain Home to find those who are feeling alone and isolated and hurting? And God wants you to say to them, there is love and healing for you. You see, just to have your leprosy cleansed, God wants more than that. God wants to bring you into communion of family. right? We don't just feed the poor to fill the bellies. We invite them into our community to say, you are welcomed, you are loved, you are known, and we see you. Here's the invitation this week. Two things. What does it mean for you even this week to be desperately thankful for all that God has done. That does not mean you still don't have some prayer requests that we're still talking to God about and keep doing it. But that you live this day saying, oh my word, how much is going so well? It's curious, um, when we talk about our bodies, we mention things that aren't going well. There are a lot of things that are probably going pretty well, right? Obviously, things that aren't going well, we know about it. But look at what's going pretty well. And say, God, thankful, thank you this day. But then, how do we have eyes to see and ears to hear those in our world? Because see, as we will find life is giving glory and thanksgiving to God. And then God says, as you are experiencing the light and the love of God, go out and find those on the margins. But in your healing, always be thankful for what God has done. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this text today. Lord, we thank you that it's a reminder to us that indeed, God, you have done so much for us. And Lord, we are deeply, deeply grateful today. Lord, amidst our thanksgiving, I know, and we pray for those things, as Pastor Debbie led us, there are still issues in this room where folks do not have jobs. There are places where sickness is devastating, where relationships are still broken. And so, Lord, our spirit of thanksgiving is not denying our laments, is not denying our requests. But Lord, in all of it, we say, God, here we are. But Lord, more than anything, may we not simply reduce our praying to our circumstances. But God, may we, in our praying, learn to see you deeply. To see your love of us, your care for us, and your desire that we would experience and see your love. And then, with that love, you'd send us out so we could see others in our world this week. Lord, we pray that you help us be thankful. And Lord, in a few moments now, we are so thankful we've come to this time in our pastoral search. We're so thankful for our church board and our DS and for this couple, for Pastor Trent. And Lord, we pray the next few minutes, Lord, on a very important, exciting day, but Lord, we pray your spirit would give us the energy and strength and the wisdom to do what you have us to do. But Lord, for this, we give you thanks that you are a God who has been and will be faithful 
Let us be so sure to give you glory and praise. And then send us out to love your world in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing today. So I will offer a benediction, um, but um, you'll all be invited to stay for the church meeting. If you can't say or need to go, you're welcome to leave, but we'll kind of start that in about 82 seconds. Um, but so uh, offer a benediction. Those of you to go can go, and then we'll kind of start our meeting. So here's a benediction. May the joy of God's healing presence heal your hearts and send you out in God's love and grace to see the world and love the world by the power of God. Go in the grace and the love of God today.